Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to New Beginnings Midweek Bible Study. I want to start off tonight by bringing your attention to the very first thing that God did as soon as he created man. I don't know if we've ever uh, delved into this or if you've ever noticed it for yourself, but it was kind of very revealing to me as it pertains to this study for tonight. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it tells us, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So obviously, Eve was not an afterthought. This was part of God's plan from, from the very first moment. Then look at verse 28. Verse 28 says this, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. But, but look at the very first part of verse 28. The very first thing God did upon creating mankind, he blessed them. So I, I think it's easy for us to, to kind of come to the conclusion that blessing is extremely important to God. The fact that he wants us to walk in blessing. He wants us to walk in all the glory of his kingdom and of his nature and of his goodness. What does it mean what does the word blessing really mean to us? Sometimes you mention the word blessing, and, and unfortunately in our, our American Western mindset, right away we think about having the big house with six bedrooms and you know driveway full of cars and the ability to go on vacation after vacation and just things upon things upon things. But we all know people that have things and have the big house and have the cars and all the responsibilities that go with it. And it's not a blessing. Many times those things can turn out to be a curse. Biblically speaking, blessing means to speak well of, to release goodwill to another. It is the goodness of God imparted to the believer so that the believer can impart to others. And I believe we can, we can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is God's will for everyone to walk in blessing. Even those that don't know him yet, the sun still comes up, the rain still comes, uh, provision still comes to those who don't know God. It's a, it's a method of him drawing their hearts. Remember in Romans, uh, I believe it's in chapter 5, it tells us, the Apostle Paul wrote, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his goodness. It's not the hardships. It's not the fear of retribution. Because once fear wears off from us, then we go back into our old complacency. But it's when you and I have realized, wow, I don't deserve to be blessed like this. I don't deserve all God has done for me. It's that 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 idea, that, that, that point of coming to the realization, wow, if it wasn't for him, I would have nothing. That's what causes us to want to draw closer to him. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouse. The blessing, not a blessing, the blessing. He will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all that you set your hand to. 
He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. There is a land for each one of us to possess. That land is God's plan for your life, for my life, and we possess that. But his blessing is upon us. He said the Lord will command the blessing. What is the blessing? Really in, in just a short, concise description or definition, the blessing is God's presence and God's hand on your life. That no matter what comes at you, you're still going to come out on top. You're still going to come out a winner. He's still going to work all things together for the good because you love him and I love him. Amen? And God was so intent on on people receiving blessing that his people would walk in a blessing that he ordained a very special prayer, a special blessing for the priests in Israel to confer upon God's people, upon his people. It's found for us in Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, so this is God's idea, it's coming right from his heart, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, see, blessing is conferred. One of the ways we confer blessings is through speech, through our words. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. That's how intentional God wanted to be about blessing come upon his people. There would be a special message, a special set of words that would extend God's goodness towards us. That's why that, that, that prayer in, in Numbers, that blessing, what we call the Levitical blessing, is such, is such, it's so impacting to us. Now, let me ask you this question for you to consider. Um, do you think God would have designed the blessing to be something that we have to chase after? Do you think that God would design the blessing? Do you think it's something that we need to strive for or to beg for? Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with him. See, you and I are united with him. If he is the blessing, if his presence in our lives is the blessing, if his hand upon our life is a blessing, and we're united with him, then where are we running to to try to get it? What are we doing to try to strive to receive it? It's his presence on us. Just picture picture this, this robe or like a mantle or like a big fuzzy bathrobe just, just wrapping around you signifying his presence on us. It automatically carries a blessing. I want to continue reading here in verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Both past tense words. He loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and he gave him great pleasure. Verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Don't be looking for the blessing in the future. Don't be looking for the manifestation of it somewhere down the road. You are already walking in the blessing of God, and you could be sitting there in front of your computer, looking at your phone, whatever, and saying, Wow, he doesn't, he doesn't really have a clue what my life is about. No, no, it's your perspective. You're not understanding that the hand of God is already on your life. Yeah, but I'm going through some tough times. And he's walking with you. 
And that in itself is the blessing that you're going to go through them anyway. The blessing is that you're going through it with him, with his presence, in his uh, ability, remembering that he's never going to leave you, he's never going to forsake you. That's the blessing, is that he goes with us. Remember, in verse 3 it says he has blessed us. In verse 4 it says he has loved us and has chosen us. And in verse 6 it says he has poured out on us this blessing who belong to his dear son. Because you belong to his dear son, because you and I belong to Jesus, the blessing abides on our life. Now, once we know the purpose for God's blessing, it'll safeguard us from ever misusing, abusing, or neglecting his blessing. The truth is, the blessings of God can be misused. We can try to use all of God's blessing for our own benefit. They can be abused. We can take them for granted. Or we can neglect those blessings and just act like they're non-existent. And therefore, you can't walk in the knowledge of something you're not aware of. And so I want to bring us tonight four primary reasons why God wants us to live out of his blessings, why he wants us blessed. It's part of God's plan. Number one, number one primary reason why God wants us to live in his blessing, because he loves us. That's very obvious. When you love someone, you bless them. You speak well of them. You provide for them. You affirm them. You encourage them. A, a husband, a wife, they're in love with each other. They want to do the best for each other. You want to surprise them. You want to speak, you want to encourage them. You want to speak well of them and well to them. We want to affirm them. We want to encourage them. That's how we bless one another. But you know, a lot of people are not convinced of God's love. And think about this. If you've ever been in a relationship with someone who doesn't believe that you've loved them, no matter what you do for that person, it just doesn't seem to have the effect that it should have. And I'm wondering if sometimes if those of us that have not convinced that God loves you, and yet he's blessed you, he's protected you, he's provided for you, yet you might not be walking in everything that you desire, But the important thing is we're walking in everything that he desires. Because ultimately, that's where God's perfect will is. Remember this. The primary reason he wants us blessed is because he loves us and he wants to provide for us. He wants us to be content. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. But watch this now. The reality of that statement is going to depend on whether you really truly are convinced that God loves you. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. I want to repeat that because those kind of verses go, listen to it very carefully. And we have known, we have received information. We have knowledge of God's love. But then there's another word connected to this. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. Have you known and believed, or do you just know about it? Yeah, 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 I know God loves me, I know God loves me. We have the tendency to look at it as a cliche. Yeah, God loves me, God loves you, God loves everybody. That's fine. So so you know that God is love, and you know that he can love, and he knows that he loves people. But have you believed that he loves you? You and I have to attach faith to, 
to the knowledge that we have in order for the promise of the knowledge that we have to become manifest. It's not just enough to know that Jesus walked on this earth. It's not just enough to know that Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross. No, we have to attach faith to that for the result of Jesus dying on the cross become manifest in our lives. Let me read that same verse to you from the New Living Translation. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. I want to repeat that. We, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. In other words, I'm convinced. I believe with all my heart that he loves me. Now, think about this expression of God's love in John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his, only, his one and only son so that everyone who believes, there's that attaching to faith, will not perish but have eternal life. God loved, we believed. It's not enough just to have the knowledge, we attach the faith to it. God loves us with such a committed love that he gives, he blesses, and love finds its fullest expression in action. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 from the Amplified Version. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? It's a question that's being asked there. It's a question for us to ponder. If God allowed Jesus to go to the lengths that he did to suffer the horrible death that he did, go into the grave, be separated from the Father, to be reunited and resurrected again, if he allowed Jesus to go through all that, how would we ever doubt that anything that you and I need to live on this planet to fulfill God's plan for our our lives, how would we ever doubt after he's already demonstrated that kind of love for us? Really, there should be no doubt whatsoever. Everything we need, everything that's good for us, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and yet even materially, is supplied as blessing from God. Peace that passes all understanding. In the midst of, you may be going through some kind of turmoil in your life, your soul is in upheaval, you just, doesn't, you don't feel right about things, something's not sitting right. Your mind is being bombarded by all kinds of thoughts of negativity and failure, you're a loser, uh, all these kind of things. Yet God, when we, when we kind of settle our mind and we just call out to him, the blessing is that he comes and he calms our soul. He fulfills Psalm 23. He refreshes us. That's the blessing. Second reason why God wants us to live in blessing. God blessed us because he wants to meet our needs. He wants to be the supply. He wants to be the resource. Philippians 4.19. I'm sure you're familiar with this verse of scripture. Uh, New Living Translation. And this same God who takes care of me, Paul is writing, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. We have need for salvation. God met that need in Christ. We have need for healing. God met that need through Jesus Christ who took not only all of our sin upon himself, but the reality is he took all of our diseases on himself at the cross. And according to Isaiah 53, and by his wounds, by, by, by the torture that he received in his body, we are healed. In other words, he took all the punishment so that you and I could walk in healing. 
We need comfort. God provided for that need through the Holy Spirit who dwells in the believer forever so we never need fear being alone. He's met all of these needs. He wants to be the source. He wants to be that that fountain, if you would, uh, where, where we receive all that's going to refresh us, all that's going to sustain us, all that's going to energize us for the future. And there's any other need that we have, whether it's actual or perceived, God is interested in providing that which is going to bless us. Say, what are you talking about, Pastor? We go through life sometimes. Some people have perceived lack. You and I can look at their lives from the outside and say, they got it made. They have everything they need. But there's something on the inside of them that are that is broken and is causing them to see through a cracked lens. And they're constantly obsessing over what they don't have. And I've had people get mad at me when you try to point out, but you have a good marriage and you have a spouse that loves you and you've got kids that that respect you and have never given any trouble and you've got a house to live in. Yeah, 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 but you don't know. I don't have this and I don't have that. And, you know, I grew up and didn't have this when I was a kid and all this. The enemy loves that scenario. He loves to keep us in perceived lack, in perceived loss. Pastor Greg Rochelle said something that stuck in my heart. A number of years ago, I heard him make this statement. And it triggered what I'm about to share with you. This is what he said. If you will let your deepest needs drive you to God, then God will meet your deepest needs. What do we do most of the time? Most of the time, you and I, our deep needs, some of the things that that we don't tell anybody about, something that we're craving. It could be something very ungodly that we wouldn't dare tell anybody else about. And what what do we do? Instead of going to God and saying, this is how I'm feeling I don't want to feel this way, but this is how I'm feeling. Instead of presenting it to him, we try to either numb that or we try to fulfill it, naturally speaking, in our own power. And when you and I do that, it always blows up in our face. Think about this. Talking about King David. When David got involved in an adulterous relationship with another man's wife, her name was Bathsheba, It led David to stoop to lying, to manipulation, even brought him to the place of murder. He had Bathsheba's husband murdered. Later on, when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, God made a stunning statement through through Nathan. Just, Just this blows you out of the water. Again, remember this. If you will let your deepest needs drive you to God, then God will meet your deepest needs. He might do it, and he might not do it in the way, and most of the times won't do it in the way that you would. But he'll take care of that thing, that craving, that that haunting on the inside that you want this, you want this. He'll help you with that. But if you try to fulfill it on your own, you'll get in trouble. It's exactly what David did. David tried to fulfill a need that he had by taking up with somebody else's wife. It led to a disaster. It led to having that that wife, that, that woman, Bathsheba's husband, murdered on the battlefield. And David thought, nobody knows about this. I got away with it. And then one day God spoke to the prophet Nathan and sent him to David's house. We find in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7, that Nathan said to David, you are the man. Say, what is that all about? Nathan used an illustration, a story about a man who had one little lamb who was like a pet to him. It's the only one he had. And yet, 
a rich man who had numerous flocks came to that poor man's house and took that lamb from him and slaughtered it. And David, when he heard the story from Nathan, said, who was this man? Bring him to me and I'll deal with him. That's not, that's unjust. That's not just, that is not, that is not right the way things are done. He was infuriated. He said to Nathan, bring that man to me. And Nathan pointed his finger at him and said, you are that man. Why? Uriah, the man who was murdered, had one wife. David could have any that he wanted. He's the king. But David was not satisfied. And he took that one lamb from Uriah. And God saw it. But listen to the heart of God towards David. Because you and I probably think the same thing. Man, David David's just, he's a scoundrel. How could he even think about doing something like this? Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. And he's God speaking to David. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord God? By doing what is evil in his eyes. You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. In other words, David had given an order to his general on the battlefield. Take Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, put him out there right on the front lines where the battle is the fiercest, and then withdraw from him and let him get killed by our enemies. But in fact, it's the hand of David that killed him. But I want you to listen to the heart of God again. Put it in this context. Again, we're talking about God's blessing on our lives. He said, I gave you all this. Gave you the kingdom. Gave you palaces. Gave you wealth. Gave you your master's house who hated you. If that wasn't enough, why didn't you come to me, David, and tell me how discontented you were? And tell me what you were dealing with on the inside. I would have taken care of it for you. Not saying that he would have taken Bathsheba and given it to David, but he would have dealt with the broken thing inside of David's heart that caused him to go into adultery. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, I think I'm going to become an adulterer today. Nobody wakes up one morning and decides, I think I'm going to become a porn addict today. Nobody wakes up one morning and decides, I'm going to become an alcoholic, a drug addict. I'm going to become whatever. You fill in the blanks. We fall into these things. Because we're trying to fill a void in our life. And if we would just go to God with that void, with that ache, with that craving, and say, look, I'm hurt, I'm broken, I'm wounded. I don't want to go into these areas that are going to cause sin. Help me with this. We make a mess and we try to meet our own needs. If you'll allow your needs to drive you to God, God will meet your need. He'll do it. He'll, he'll, he'll heal that area of brokenness. He'll bring resolution to that issue. He'll bring healing so that you're not craving those things that are not part of God's plan for your life and not God's best. Reason number three, that God wants us blessed so that we can be free of the cares of this world, so that he can be the center and the focus of our lives. But even more importantly, 
that others would be the center and the focus of our lives. You see, when you're satisfied and you feel like you got everything you need and everything, all your, all your needs are taken care of, you're not under pressure for this thing, not under pressure for a house payment, you're not under pressure, I need a car, not under pressure, the refrigerator's empty, not under the pressure of, wow, uh, I got problems with my kids, uh, my teenagers are running wild. When, when, when there's peace, when there's like a timeout, you're undistracted. You're not chasing after things. You're not under the pressure of having to get and to get and to get and to obtain and to possess. Then we can start looking. We can start paying attention to our Father and, and cause Him to be the center and the focus of our affection and our, and our time. And when we do that, it ultimately always leads us to wanting to bless others and, and, and spread the Word of God and to reach out to the lost. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Jesus speaking, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the idol worshipers, the unbelievers run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, what's he saying? To be anxious every day? No, he's saying, just, just be concerned about today. Let God be the source of today. Tomorrow, you're going to face a whole new set of circumstances. Guess what? Let God be the source of all your needs tomorrow also. He, God doesn't want our thoughts to be preoccupied by our needs. God wants our thoughts to be preoccupied by worshiping him. And how can I bless my neighbor? How can I reach out to my coworker? How can I be a blessing to my, my family members? How can I lift a burden off of the shoulders of someone uh, in my life right now? Because I know my needs are met. God's taking care of me. So now I can take that energy that I would be worrying about what I need and now I can be paying attention to someone else. That's how we're supposed to live. Not self-centered, but just outward-centered. Just, just constantly looking. Who can I help? Who can I pray for? Who can I bless? Who can I encourage? Who can I help lift the burden off their lives? And that's why God wants you blessed. He knows. He made us. He knows how we are. He knows it's very difficult for me to be paying attention to my brother my sister if I'm overwhelmed with my own needs. Number four, ties right in. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. Genesis chapter 12, he said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation, a force, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. The ultimate goal of blessing is that we pass it on to others. Pastor Rick Warren made this statement. The more you bless other people, the more you will help others. The more God blesses your life, Luke chapter 6, verse 38 tells us, give away your life, you'll find it given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. That's from the message translation. The more you give away your life, the more you find it back, but not just merely given back in the same measure but given back with bonus and with blessing. 
You and I cannot outgive God. There's no way. It's never going to happen. The more you bless other people, the more resources come into your life. Because when God knows that he can use you as a conduit, as a pipeline of blessing, when God knows that you're going you're to be the type that's going to speak blessing and speak goodness and speak encouragement to others, he encourages you. When God knows that no matter what resources he puts in your hands, you're always taking part of it and blessing others with it, then you'll never lack for resources. When God knows that you're living your life not looking for what can I get, what can I get, what can I hoard, what can I store in my little storehouse, when God knows that you're living your life in such a way of like when you are blessed, you think, you know, this is good, I love this, but you know, uh, I think my friend would enjoy part of this. Or, you know what, I can turn this blessing into resource that so-and-so needs. I remember many years ago, and I, I just use this as an example. Uh, I said to my wife, we have X amount of dollars in the bank. It's not enough for us to go buy a house, go buy our own home. That'll come someday. This is not enough for that. But you know what? There's so-and-so that's in the process of buying their own home right now. This this little bit will really help them. This is not enough to put us over to where we need to be, but it is more than enough to put these people over where, they, where, where they're going to be able to walk in this new home and, and be a blessing to them. So we took part of that. So, but, but, but you'd say, well, well, you took away from your savings that's ultimately going to get you your home. Yeah, but it's not enough right now. So if it's not meeting my need, then it must be seed. And so seed eventually gets your need met. And so we took that and sowed that into the lives of this other young couple. And it was a blessing to us. And we saw their home. It was a blessing to us. We knew that we had a part in that. And then God has blessed us tremendously over the years. Tremendously. So let's wrap this up. So God loves us so much that he supplies the ultimate need that every one of us has. The need that every one of us need to have fulfilled. And that's the forgiveness of sins. Every one of us is in need of forgiveness. And that greatest demonstration of his love for mankind was when he offered his son Jesus on the cross so that you and I could walk away with our sins forgiven. So that you and I could walk in the blessing of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. I can't describe it any better than this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we are still sinners, God allowed Jesus to die for us. Christ died for us. That, that blows my mind. When I wasn't even thinking about God, was that when I wasn't even thinking about how I may have offended him in my sin, how my life was so displeasing to him, when I was the furthest away from him, God still allowed Jesus to die on the cross for me, knowing that at some point in time in the future, I would, be, I would be conceived, I would be born into this world, and I would need a Savior. And you're in that same spot. You need a Savior. And God has provided that for each and every one of us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying on the cross as payment for our sins. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, will not be lost, but that we would have everlasting life. I pray.
that you'll take that step and open up your heart and allow God to meet that need in your life. You need a Savior. You need forgiveness. And I pray that you, you would just say this prayer with me. Just repeat it after me. Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that you allowed him to come to this earth to die on the cross so that I could receive forgiveness of sins. I believe Jesus died in my place. So I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior, as my Lord. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you, Father, for raising Jesus from the dead so that I could become a child of God. I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.